Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of The Bad Broadcast. My name is Maddie. I'm your host, and I'm so happy that you're here. Really, really just overjoyed that you decided to spend some time with me today. So normally around around here, we keep things light, we keep things fun. And today is going to be a little bit more serious. I actually wasn't planning on doing a full episode of this because I know that I just did a Q&A episode a few weeks ago, but I was like, I, I don't know. I just had this sense, <laughs> just had this sense that you guys had some more questions that you wanted to ask me. And I told you guys a few weeks ago that I wanted to be more open, more vulnerable, if you will. And yeah, so I think I'm going to do that this week. We're going to talk about some harder topics. And I think that the majority of people ask me questions when they are going through something similar. Like when I get divorce questions or questions about religion or spirituality, I can pretty much assume that the person asking me is wondering because they're going through something similar. And it's been kind of a, an unexpectedly very beautiful part of the podcast is seeing really how, I mean, painfully similar all of us are. Like we really do all go through maybe not the exact same things, but I think we all experience very similar emotions like on a day-to-day -day basis. I like, I don't know. It's just the internet is a crazy place, <laughs> but it's a really amazing tool to connect with people who have experienced similar things to you. So with all of that said, I put up a question box on my Instagram story that you guys could ask me some anything anonymously. And I just feel like you guys are more comfortable when you can ask it anonymously because you don't want me to like, I don't know, see your name or your profile, or maybe you know me in real life and you don't want to ask me. I think about that all the time. Like, I'm like, I wonder if any of these questions are from like friends or family that just don't want to ask me in person. I don't think that that's the case, but either way, I just think that people are a little bit more open when things are anonymous and I don't blame them. I too am more open when things are anonymous. Good thing I started a public podcast. Okay. So anyway, all of that. Yeah. All of that to say, let's, let's get into some of these questions. There's a few, I was going to separate them into like chapters. Cause I have like, you know, I have like a lot of divorce questions on, yeah, spirituality, sexuality, things like that. I'm going to actually kick off with that one <laughs> now that I said sexuality. So there are four things that came up a lot in these anonymous questions. 
asking about me and Matt's divorce. One of them was if substances played a uh, a role in our divorce. Answer is absolutely not. The second one was, did our spirituality or religion play a factor? The answer is absolutely not. Third one is sexuality. Uh, that did not play a factor. I am straight. Matt's straight. A lot of people are like, why would you stay friends if one of you is not gay? I actually got asked out on a date in this anonymous uh, Q&A, not to brag, but somebody said, are you into girls? Because you give me bi vibes and I want to take you on a date. And I was, I actually can confidently say I've never been so flattered in my whole life. Unfortunately, I'm straight. It's, uh, it's, I'm coping with it. It's, it's not, a, it's not great. <laughs> But a lot of people were wondering about that. And then uh, weirdly, a few people asked. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it's not funny. But somebody asked, are you into swinging? And Matt wasn't. And is that why you guys got divorced? Uh, No, I don't even think I'm into swinging. I just said I wanted to meet somebody who swings. Uh, Here's the thing about about this whole this, all these shenanigans. I signed up for this podcast. Okay. I signed up for this weird life of people being curious about the details of my life. Matt did not. Matt didn't sign up for this. Matt didn't ask for, you know, any of this, not to say that he wasn't supportive a thousand percent, but like there are just, there are things that happen in a marriage. Okay. Anybody who's married can attest to this that are like, that are so intimate. Like, like nobody I cannot even overstate this. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out a way how to explain it, but marriage is so intimate in so many ways, most of which is emotional intimacy. The conversations that you guys have, the fights you guys have, the everything that you have within that marriage, more than likely nobody else would understand. Even people who know you really well, even people who you talk to about your fights or about your intimacy or whatever it is, Nobody understands a marriage except the two people in it. And that's why when I announced my divorce a few weeks ago, that's why I brought that up that I like it totally changed my perspective on other people getting divorced because I just know from my experience that there's so much that goes into a marriage and, you know, choosing to break up and things like that. Nobody would understand. And then on top of that, I, of course, want to respect Matt's privacy and his life and the fact that this is not this is not his job. This isn't his, you know, world, I guess. But what it comes down to, because uh, the majority, uh, well, not the majority, but so many of the questions are like, we don't get it. We don't get why you got divorced. We don't get why you're still friends. If you were best friends, why would you get divorced? Why are you still talking? Like all of these things. And this is where I get a little bit ragey. Not, not at you guys, not at anybody asking that, because again, I totally understand why people are curious. Like, it does not shock me in the slightest. And it also doesn't bug me at all. But this is where I get ragey. I don't know. I didn't like that word. Just gave myself the ick. Enraged. This is where I get enraged at how we have all been told to look at divorce and look at breakups and look at these things. Because what, how I see me and Matt's relationship, sorry, I am going to get to the questions, but I just think this is such a huge part of it that I just want to acknowledge it. The way I look at it is that we were like, if life, (laughs) here's my metaphor, life is like a hike. Okay. It's like a really, really, really long hike. I felt like the part of the terrain I was at in my twenties, I 
wanted to be with Matt. I needed like he was so wonderful for every facet of that terrain. And for both of us, we then were no longer in that terrain for a lot of different reasons. It's not because, you know, we were no longer participating in Mormonism. We were not uh, like none of that had anything to do with that. Our like life just changed our like, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. But what we've been told about divorce is that there's, you know, there's no way that two people can, uh, you know, do things amicably. If, if you choose to get divorced, it's, you know, it's because of something bad and it's going to stay bad. I just refused to believe that that was true. Like refused. I, I was not going to let somebody who I love and care about and who just supported me through a really hard time. Like, but I mean, we went through so many hard things together, started my career with him, like all of these things. I'm not, I'm not doing it that way. Like, and that's where I get mad is that people just are kind of like waiting for me to say like, no, this it's actually bad. And we actually never talk. That's just not the case. We are still friends. We do, we do talk. Like, I, I don't know. I'm probably harping on this a lot, but the bottom line and why everybody's confused is because I just, I'm not going to do it that way. I just, I refuse to do it that way. I didn't want the additional pain. I didn't want the additional pain of not being friends with somebody that I love and care about. And just because where we were at in our world hike, life hike meant that we were going to be happier being apart and being friends. It's not, it's just, you can stop waiting for, for me to say that it was the worst thing that ever happened to me because where I, where I am now, where he is now, we both feel very settled. We both feel very sure that this is what was right, really supportive of each other. And yeah, so I just want to get that out of the way. Whew, there was a, that was a, uh, that's a big question that keeps coming up, but I, yeah, anyway, let's go on to the next, the next questions. Again, this one is going to be more serious. And also I kind of like kind of started to cry when I was, uh, answering some of these or when I was reading through them. So you might get some tears. I don't know. Might, might, might mess around to get some tears going. First question is, do I have a favorite brother? <laughs> See these ones. I'm like, I'm for sure thinking that one of my brothers submitted these. No, I don't think they did. But so a little bit about my family. I have seven older brothers. I'm the youngest of eight. And no, I would not ever say that I have a favorite brother. But if they want to start working for that favorite brother spot, I would not I would not uh, reject that. No, I'm I'm joking, but I don't have a favorite brother, but I have very different relationships with every single one of my brothers. Like there are just different topics that I would talk to each brother about depending on what I was going through or what I wanted to talk about. And um, yeah, and I really, I really love that. It's, it's a really cool experience. Like I kind of have this little team of people that no matter what, you know, if it's like work stress, I'm going to go to Taylor. If it's, uh, you know, creativity stuff, I'm going to go to Tyson. If it's like all of these things that I really like talking to my brothers about, but yeah, they're all very different. Uh, they kind of have similar baselines, I would say. Like, uh, I, I see a lot of similarities with in my brothers, but they all have really different interests and really different jobs. And they, yeah. And we're also, I mean, obviously they're all different ages. So they're just, they have different life experiences. So yeah, it, uh, it does, it does depend on what I want to talk about. And that's the brother that I go to. This kind of ties into this. This next question was, was what was the transition like getting sisters-in-law? And I just, 
I have to give a shout out to my sisters-in-law. Okay. Becca, Val, Kelsey, Ari, Sarah. Those are my five sisters-in-law. And oh my gosh, I could not have better sisters-in-law. I'm going to, I'm going to start crying right now. We're 11 minutes in. I could not have better sisters-in-law. Like I, I didn't really want sisters growing up. I never thought about it. Like it wasn't, it's like, if you ask somebody who's a twin, like, well, did you always want to be a twin? It's like, what choice did I have? Like, I don't like I'm a twin, whatever. Um, so I never really wanted sisters that bad, but then I got my first sister. (laughs) I acquired my first sister-in-law when I was like 13. And that was the age that I really started wanting sisters-in-law because I was like, you know, life was changing, puberty, boys, all of that. I really wanted a sister-in-law. And my brothers just have impeccable taste. I have to say, they're all really wonderful mothers. They're good people. They're some of my best friends. Like I, I just really adore my sisters-in-law. And I'm not even saying that as a bit or as like a cover for anything. I just, my mom and I say it all the time. Like we got really, really lucky. And yeah, so the transition was not, was not tough. It wasn't because they're, they're just really, really good people. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Babbel. One of the best parts of a new year, new you, is that that might mean like new adventures, new travels. You never know. Like maybe you're going to get a new job. Maybe you're going to go live in a foreign country for a year. Who's to say? But there's no better way to prepare for those experiences than by learning a new language with Babbel. Babbel is the language learning app that's sold more than 10 million subscriptions. Thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, you can feel confident no matter where the new year takes you. I'm learning French and um, maybe I'm going to go live in Paris like for a year of my life. I don't know, but I bet when I get there, I impress literally every French person. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson so you can start having real life conversations in a new language in as little as three weeks. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers, not computers. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be more effective. Plus with Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages and they have speech recognition technology, which helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. It also comes with a 20 day money back guarantee. So right now, get up to 55% off of your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash bad. That's babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash bad for up to 55% off of your subscription. Babbel, language for life. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Dipsy. So you know how when you're on a plane and they tell you that if the little thing pops out of the ceiling that you need to secure your own mask before helping somebody else? That's a good life lesson. Okay. Sometimes you need to check in with yourself before offering help to someone else. Like you need to rest when you need rest so that you can help other people. You need to ask for what you need. And you also need to just say yes to things that make you feel good. I know a way you can do that. It's with Dipsy. You can transport your mind to a world where you can relax and treat yourself to your deepest desires. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. 
They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. You can discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. Dipsy is also radically inclusive. We love to see it. They have stories for you no matter where you fall on the sexuality spectrum, whether you're straight, queer, or somewhere in between, they have stories for you. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy stories you can read. So let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or heat things up with a partner. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash bad. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsy, D-I-P-S-E-A, stories.com slash bad. Once again, that is dipsystories.com slash bad. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Okay, what is my current relationship with the LDS church? So I don't, yeah, again, this is one of those things I don't openly talk about for a few reasons. Out of respect for a lot of people who listen that are active LDS members, for a lot of my family members who are still who are still active LDS, I never, I never, ever, ever want anyone to feel like just because I'm not in that same boat that you're in that I would look at you differently. I have a I have a very 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 deep love for the people in my life and I would venture to say that every person in my life believes something different. And I I value I value that in people. My current relationship with the church, I'm not I don't do I don't participate. I I don't go to church. I it's not it's not uh I guess I mean I left the church. I guess that's probably what I should say. I just I never really, I never really say that out loud. And I don't talk about it a lot because it was one of those things. I think you guys have learned by now that when I'm going through something hard, I will probably not talk about it right away. And this is something that I've learned like in this last, you know, two years of my life, because I used to think like, I have to, I have to talk about this. Like I need it to be out in the open. I need to explain myself. I need to make sure I have all my bases covered. I need to make sure that I do this and this and this. And Lucy is somebody who's helped me a lot with this, that when she's like, just maybe, maybe take a second, like maybe take a beat. Maybe it's not something you need to talk about right now. And I was glad that I, I waited, but yeah, I, I obviously haven't done a whole episode or, you know, gone really deep into why I left the church or what it looked like for me. But I will say this, I I won't get into the why I won't get into the why of it because it's really not, to be honest, I don't think it's that important. I think that people find their own paths in and out of things. And I just, I, I don't feel like it's really the important thing about it, but my experience leaving the church was really, really hard. It was really, really hard. And it kind of, it kind of felt like somebody died 
I kind of felt like I was grieving somebody who died and it was, it was just really hard. It was hard to not have that be a part of my life because it was such a strong part of my life for so long. And I felt really confused. (laughs) I felt really confused. Oh gosh. I just, I felt really confused for a long time. And I, I felt like I didn't really want to like piece together my own spiritual beliefs because it sounded really daunting and scary. And also what if I was wrong? Like, what if what I believed wasn't, you know, was wrong and I should have stayed with something else or all those things. It was just, it was really hard to, to adjust to that. And where I am now, I, I definitely feel a lot lighter about it. I feel very, I feel very light about it. And I also can look at a lot of things within the church. I I know guys, I promise you, nobody like understands you better than I. If you've got problems with the church, if you have issues, if you have things, whether you're in or out of the church, you, I would assume that everybody has some issues with the religion they were raised in or, you know, left or whatever. Um, but the bottom line is that I, I have a lot, I have just a really deep love for, uh, like my childhood and how I was raised and how my parents raised me and the effort that they put in. And I have like nothing but respect for, for, for them, for my, my active friends and family. It's never crossed my mind that I wouldn't want to, you know, talk to them or, or, you know, be like, it's, it's an insane kind of notion to me that you would ever not be close to somebody based on that part of their life. I think that we miss out on huge parts of life when we put, because I I get it. People have boundaries, but boundaries aren't walls. And I think that people build walls against each other when they don't believe what they do. And I personally don't want any of my loved ones to build walls against me because of what I believe. And so I refuse to do that with anybody in my life ever. Like I will never build a wall. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. I will never, you know, build a wall in between somebody and myself because of that. And yeah. So I hope that that answers some questions. Again, you guys know I'm going to keep some stuff private, of course, but a lot of the questions that came in were like, how do you deal with it? And for me, I just, I had to find a support system for sure. Had to talk about it a lot. I mean, a lot. I, I talked about it pretty much nonstop for months. Like I just, I had to process it out loud. I talked to people that I trusted. Um, I just, I really had to, to do that. And a lot of people asked how my parents were with it. My parents are, are amazing people. They, I never once felt like they were going to, you know, love me less or respect me less. They're, they're really, really supportive of, of everything. Um, I know that that is not always the case with people. And to that, I say, you know, when people have parents or loved ones, friends, siblings, whatever that reject them because of their religious beliefs, that feels like conditional love to me. Uh, and I just don't really want that. I don't want conditional love. I don't want, I don't want to have to obey certain, I mean, I'm not saying obey, like in a church sense, just like with people, I don't want to have to adhere to somebody's rules in order to earn their love. That is actually not love to me in the slightest, like at all, like that doesn't feel like love. So if you are struggling with that, I mean, obviously, you know, you want to preserve the relationship, especially if it's like a parent or a sibling. So yeah, going to therapy together, having really honest conversations with them. I know it's hard to, I I mean, again, 
not my experience, but I have seen other people go through this. People's parents who are hyper-religious, you know, who say things like, you're not my kid if you, you know, don't participate in this religion. That's like the meanest. I mean, that's like the worst thing uh, like you could ever do to somebody. I don't know. So yeah, therapy and um, finding people that you feel safe with. And maybe those relationships will just be, um, they'll just be at more of a distance than you thought they would be. You know, maybe you will have to take a step back from that and you you won't be able to share those things with that person or you won't be, you won't be able to have that, uh, which is just really unfair, really unfair to anybody who has gone through something hard like a faith transition. The other thing that I want to say is something that I wish people knew, which is just how hard it is, how hard it is. It is not fun. I did not choose to to feel this way. I did not choose to go through this. I did not like it, the way it played out, it didn't feel like I, I had a choice and it's really painful. And I think that we could all do a better job at realizing that where, where was this? I think my mom, my mom told me this, that she said, if you treated everybody like they were in a crisis, 75% of the time you'd be right. Like everybody's life is no one's okay. No one's okay. Uh, so I think that we could all do a little better to stop and look at somebody's situation and say, oh, wow, that's, that isn't what I'm going through, but that must be really hard on that person. So how about I don't like, you know, continue to pile on to their load? How about I be the person that they can trust and be open with? That's the other thing. I have friends that are all along the spectrum of spirituality. I don't feel like there's one thing I can say to one friend that I can't say to another friend. And I hope that they feel the same way. And those people exist out there. There's Facebook groups, there's Instagram accounts, there's meetups. There's, there's so many people who feel the way that you do. Never, ever, ever think that you are alone in your experience with religion, because I promise you there are people out there. Okay. Next one. It says, first of all, well, I think we did two questions and I'm, I'm chatty and emotional. Okay. Uh, he said, well, whoever this is said, uh, first of all, bold of you to do this again. Love you though. (laughs) Yeah, it was bold, bold to do anonymous questions. When I first did it, uh, it was, I was unwell, but now I'm a little braver. Uh, who's my least favorite podcaster? (laughs) I don't even know why I picked this one. Cause I actually don't have a least favorite podcaster. I, I recently hate true crime. I hate true crime podcasters. But there are a few like podcaster voices that I I don't like and not because of their not because of their voice, but like when they either uh, talk really slow or they talk really monotone or things like that. Don't like that in a podcaster. Can't usually listen to that. Yeah, those are I, I don't know why I kept again. I don't know why I kept that question because nobody came to mind when it was like least favorite podcaster. I'm not like, oh, perfect. OK, next one. Sorry, I'm scrolling through these. Another would I ever date women? Tragically, No. Oh, one place I never want to visit again and why. I, uh, how do I say it? Yeah. I hate San Francisco. I do not like San Francisco at all. I don't like it. It's, it's not my vibe like at all. And I'm so sorry. I am so sorry to all of my, all of my, uh, (laughs) Silicon Valley broads because I just, I, I just don't vibe with it. I don't vibe with San Francisco. It's, it's not somewhere that I would go. Okay. Uh, this next question, it's kind of long, but I'm just going to summarize. She basically asked me about boundaries, about setting them. How do you set them? How do you enforce them? 
I suck at boundaries. Oh my gosh. I, I suck at boundaries because I would like everyone to be happy with me at every point in time forever. Uh, no matter what I do, I want everyone to be, uh, thrilled with every decision that I make. So that makes boundaries really hard. Um, but how I've handled it is that my boundaries are kind of silent. I, they're kind of like internal for me. There's, I, like if somebody asks me something in person, like somebody that I'm close to or whatever, and like it's kind of over a boundary or something I don't want to talk about. I, first of all, deflect, which is maybe not, not best, but I don't specifically say out loud, like you're crossing my boundary. Okay. You can't do that to me anymore. I would rather kind of carry that load and internally, you know, you know, maybe answer their question or keep it light or whatever, and then not get into that specific topic with them or what have you. So I, I think that where people struggle with boundaries is communicating the boundaries. And again, I don't do that. I, this maybe is not good advice because sometimes I should be communicating my boundaries, but in my life so far, this has, this has worked for me that I hold my own boundaries internally. I don't go into situations that I know will be, you know, over my boundaries, whatever. So that feels like it's like boundaries light, you know, it's like diet boundaries, but yeah, sometimes you do need to communicate them. And to that, I say, good luck. (laughs) I'm joking, but uh, I would say just kind of minimize the situations that cross your boundaries, do what you can. And then if people insist about talking about it, insist on talking about it and they, you feel like they can have that conversation with you, then maybe start to open that door and say, here's my boundary. And this is why I don't feel comfortable, whatever. Okay. Next one. How to move, how to move on from a relationship, especially a longer term one. It's so easy to get lonely and go back to something that's not healthy. Okay. So going back to what I said at the beginning of the episode that I refused for me and Matt's divorce to, we both did. I don't, I do not want to take credit for that. We both refused for our divorce to end terribly. I refuse to, I don't want to say be sad because I, I do, I do feel sad and I allow, I refuse to let life win. (laughs) I refuse to let circumstances of life. And this is a delusion. Okay. This is again, not good advice. It's a little bit delusional, but I think it's served me. I think it's served me. I also think it's made me more resilient that I just, I refuse to not have a happy life. And I will like, yeah, I will tenaciously chase it. it. Even if I feel terrible, I have learned that whatever my mom says this to me all the time. So shout out to her because yeah, this is a really good thing. Your brain does genuinely believe whatever you tell it. Like it, it will, it just believes it. If you say you're sad all the time, I should, I should really preface this whole boy before I, before I get too deep into this and it gets really misunderstood. Not everything is just able to be like, no, everything's fine. Let's move on. There are, there's, you know, chronic illness, there's mental health, there's life tragedies. There's so many things that people go through that you can't just positive attitude, attitude your way out of. I never, ever, ever subscribe to that. I never wanted to come across like I'm like, well, just cheer up and like stop being sad. For sure, that is not what I'm saying. There are a lot of steps you can take for those things. Medication, therapy, psychedelics, if you want to swing that way. But the bottom line is that like for things like day to day kind of sads, like when I get the sads, I just I do what I can to get out of it, whether that's feeling my way through it. Sometimes you just cry. 
You know, sometimes you just cry it out. Sometimes I leave my house. I go on drives. I get food. I go see family. I see friends. I, you know, I do something to get out of it. But the, the, the thing that I've learned, I feel like I've said the bottom line about 48 times in this, in this episode. But what I've learned is that your brain is not going to keep you there for long. If you can just ride it out, ride out the feeling, try to put some other good things into your mind, like seeing somebody you love or getting a meal that you love, try and do that. You'll come out of it. Like emotions are, are just, you know, waves. They come in, they come out, they come in, they come out. Like, sorry, I just hiccuped so many times. So I have learned that when I have a feeling, when I have a bad feeling, a sad feeling, a shameful feeling, when I have those things, I write it out. It will always change. You will never feel like that forever. Like in being lonely after a relationship, like, you know, that feeling after a breakup where you're like, I'm, I'm going to die if I don't hear from this person or if I don't see them or if I don't, that is not a permanent feeling. Oh man, it's not permanent. It's not. So just write it out, put your phone down, you know, go on a, go on a drive, whatever it might be. It's not going to last forever. I just, I, that, that's what I mean by, I refuse to let life win And I refuse to let those things stay because I have learned so quickly that those things just don't last. So if you can just write it out, you'll get to the other side. Okay, next one. I know you're probably flooded with DMs all the time, but I have stopped sending them to you because I have sent so many with no response. They've been really solid DMs, like ones I would send to my bestie, but I'm starting to feel like you hate me. So my question is, can you just like reassure me that you don't hate me? I feel rejected. I know you love me, but ego bruised. Still love you. Okay. Blanket statement. This question came in a lot, which I'm a little bummed because I thought I was like really good at answering DMs, but I get it. I get it. I have never once in my life thought to myself, this person DMs me too much. Never, never thought about it. Never once have I thought this person DM'd me. I'm going to ignore them. I hate that. I hate it. Never. It has never, ever, ever crossed my mind. It would also like not be physically possible for me to respond to all my DMs. Like sometimes I open them and I'm like, oh, I got to go back and answer that. And then like a, like a bunch more came in and then I can't find the DM. Like it's, I promise you 100, 100% of the time, it's something innocent. It's something like I forgot. I didn't see it. I meant to respond. I thought I responded, but didn't. I love getting DMs from you guys. Please never stop. And please, please, please never, ever, ever assume that I don't like you or that you should still or that you should not DM me or anything like that. All right. I'm really glad that you guys asked me that because I never want you to think that I'm like secretly like, look at this idiot and how much she's DM'd me. Like never. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Squarespace. If you have ever thought about building your own website, whether that's for e-commerce, maybe blogging, maybe like you want to start just sharing recipes or photos or your fashion, whatever it is, there's really no easier way to launch your own website than with Squarespace. It's what I use to launch my own and they made it so easy. And I'm not very smart when it comes to literally anything with computers. So the fact that I could figure out Squarespace means that it is exceptionally easy to use. Let me tell you some of their features. First of all, you can sell anything. You can sell anything. Squarespace has the tools you need to get your business off the ground, including e-commerce templates, inventory management, um, a simplified checkout process, and secure payments. So whatever you sell, Squarespace has merchandising features 
to make your products look their best online. You can also display posts from your social profiles on your website. You can automatically push website content to your favorite social media channels so your followers can share it too. It really intertwines nicely with any socials, which is what you know you got to do if you want to grow your website. You also own all of the content you put on the Squarespace platform. They offer one-click data portability. So take advantage of this sweet deal that they're giving you because if you go to squarespace.com slash bad, you'll get a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, you can use the offer code bad to save 10% off of your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that is squarespace.com slash bad for a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch your amazing website, you can use the offer code bad to save 10% off of your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Third Love. You guys know that I love a comfortable bra. It is literally the only thing I talk about, basically. I I could probably rename, oh my gosh, I could rename the podcast The Bad Broadcast. That would be incredible. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about Third Love. You've heard of it. You know that they're amazing. Their classic t-shirt bra will make your boobs look great. And it's also super supportive and comfortable and it won't show through your clothes. It's made millions of women and their boobs very happy. It's also designed for your body and it comes in half cup sizes. So you always get a perfect fit. And you guys know that I'm not an underwire girly. You guys know that that is not my journey. So they have the no bra cropped tank, which they say is the sweatpants of bra. Have you ever heard anything more on brand for me? So on top of, you know, not wanting to wear underwire, I know that a lot of us just have a hard time finding the right size bra fit. And Third Love makes it easy to find a bra that actually fits with their fitting room quiz. It's just like a personal shopper. It focuses on size, breast shape, fit issues, and your style to find bras that are perfect for you. So never get stuck with a bad bra again. They also offer returns and exchanges for free for 60 days. So ditch your bad bras and get a better one that makes you look and feel great. Upgrade your bra and get 20% off of your first order at thirdlove.com slash bad. That's 20% off of your first order today at thirdlove.com slash bad. Relationships are hard and that's why I'm here. Hey friend, it's Cammie Crawford. Think of me as your big sister slash audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show, Relationship, the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics, the good, the bad, and the straight up shitty. Need advice? Send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss all the hot goss. And if you're loving the show, please leave us a review. Talk soon, bestie. Okay. Oh, this one is again, if me or Matt are gay, really, actually really shocked me how many times that question came in. You guys, I mean, I guess we're giving those vibes, which honestly, kudos to us that we give those vibes. Okay. Oh, this one. Okay. I'm, I'm putting this out there publicly because I, I must know who this is. Somebody said, I just want to say that you and my husband hung out a few times years and years ago, and it's my claim to fame. Who is it? I have to know who it was so I know how embarrassed I need to be. I, I need to know who, who it was. Please, please be listening to this if you ask me that. Okay. Oh, somebody asked me, or a couple of people asked me, what 
happened to your dream of living in the English countryside, owning a bunch of sheep? Because I think like a year ago, I said like, yeah, if me and Matt ever get divorced, I'm moving to the countryside and starting a dairy farm. Uh, for sure would still do it. Can't really do it right now, but it still sounds like a very appealing lifestyle to me. I have thought about like maybe like getting an Airbnb, like somewhere really crazy for like a month, like somewhere in Europe or somewhere in Asia, like just going and staying for like a month. I just, I have really, I I feel very empowered in this stage of my life. I feel really capable. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can, I can go, I can go live in Europe for a month. Like what's going to stop me? You know, like I'm, I'm really kind of living for this rebrand. Okay. Somebody asked me if your listeners saw you in public, would you prefer they come say hi or do they, or pretend that they don't know you? Please say hi, please say hi. It is like, it's, it's so nice of you guys. I really do really do appreciate when you do that. You can always come say hi to me. Let me think if there's, oh, it has happened before that I've been crying in my car and somebody came and knocked on my window. That wasn't great. I didn't love that. I don't think anybody would love that. I don't think that I'm like, I'm being overly, uh, overly sensitive when I say that. But if I'm not crying in my car, if I'm not crying, period, uh, you can always come up to me. How about we'll we'll just say, if I'm crying, don't come up to me. (laughs) Okay. Next one. How do I deal with all of my old friends now making fun of me? I don't know what I did, but I'm now exiled from the group and I don't know whether or not to be savage back, just ignore it or what. I'm in high school, by the way. So I see these people daily. High school, my gosh, my heart, my heart goes out to you, high schoolers, because wow, that is a really hard time of life. Your world all exists within the walls of high school. So you have to like you have to see people who hurt you. Like when you graduate and you're in college and like beyond, if if you're mad at somebody, you just never see them like you just would never run into them. But here's what I will say. First of all, high school ends. You're going to look back on this and think that that was such a hard time of life. But it was like literally it was a it's like a five second clip in the movie of your life. So just remember that. The other thing is that you're going to find better friends for sure. It's loser behavior that they make fun of you. It's loser behavior. That's them being losers, not you being a loser. That's just, that's the fact of the matter. And um, yeah, my, my main advice just for high school in general, just get through it because life is better on the other side. I know high school seems so fun. It seems like how, <laughs> how would it ever get better than this? I'm laughing because I did have that thought. Like I remember I remember the night of my like senior party, like my senior all nighter. I remember thinking like, this is the best night of my life. Like life will never be better than this. Like I had fully convinced myself in my heart and soul. Never again will I have a night this good. Guess what? Basically every night of my life, even the nights where I like am sick laying in bed, those nights are better than my high school all nighter. I promise you, I'm I'm not even lying. I would tell you if I was lying. Do I legitimately hate anyone? I I thought about this for a long time, but I really don't think, I mean, I throw hate around all the time. Like I hate them, hate them, hate that. I say hate a lot. And I feel like, like a few years ago when we were like, well, don't say hate because you don't really like, no, I casually hate a lot of people. Do I deeply hate anyone and wish them ill will? No, well, is that the right term? No, I don't think, I don't think I do. Am I bugged by a lot of people? And do I not want to hang out with a lot of people? And do I think a lot of people's life decisions are dumb? Uh, yeah, but I, that doesn't make me hate them. That doesn't make me wish that like their life was bad. Okay. Next one. What is something people always misunderstand about you? Oh man. I knew I picked this question. I should have written stuff down because now I'm answering it on the fly. 
And I probably should have, um, probably should have thought about it a little bit. I feel like something about my life, the thing that I have the hardest time with, the thing that brings me a lot of pain in my life is that I feel like I am, I'm, sometimes I feel like I'm playing whack-a-mole. Like there's all these different facets of my life that I'm kind of trying to, (sighs) sorry, I don't want to cry more, but there's all these different facets of my life that I'm kind of trying to keep settled. You know, it's like one thing pops up and I got to get that taken care of. Another thing pops up. I got to take that care of that. And they're all very different and they all affect me very differently. And I think that it's because I really struggle with the concept of being my complete self in front of everybody that I know. And the reason that, if, that, that those two things affect each other is because I'm kind of trying to balance who I am with every different person in my life. I have so many amazing people in my life that I really do feel like myself and I feel like I can be as comfortable as I want in front of them. But there are still parts of me. I mean, it's kind of like what I was saying about my older brothers. You know, there's different things that I would go to each brother for. And that's kind of how my life is. You know, I have a different, I just have a different relationship obviously with every single person in my life. But that means that the expectations are different in every relationship and the, the, the needs and the, the arguments and the bad stuff and the good stuff, they're all different. So kind of balancing all of that, it feels really heavy and it's, it's, it's hard to explain. And it's also not something that I'm like trying to get people to feel bad for me for. Uh, but it's just, it's definitely something that's misunderstood about me, maybe even by people in my life. But yeah, that that's what I would say to that. It's a really tough spot. And I keep just saying it's because I'm a Libra sun, Libra moon, but that's, hasn't, that hasn't. That hasn't made me feel better at all. Is my family still active in the LDS church? About half of my family. So about half of my siblings in half out. Yeah. What is something you've done lately that has made little kid Maddie happy? I feel like, uh, again, in this phase of my life, I'm like, I'm really trying to be aware of, of the inner child. I feel really connected to my inner child. When I see pictures of myself as a little kid, I feel very connected to her. I don't feel like I'm a different person. I still feel very much like I'm that little kid. And so because of that, I feel like I still like find joy in a lot of things that I found joy in when I was a kid. I think it's like, I really do think it's probably why I love animated movies. I still watch a lot of the same movies I did as a kid. Um, yeah, just just there's been a lot of therapy sessions where I talk about Uh, what I needed as a kid and how I can provide that for myself as an adult. And it's been really just, you know, of course, empowering and um, like lovely to be able to do that for myself, but also just really healing. And yeah, yeah, really healing, really joyful. Uh, anything that's like little kind of like little kid ish, like always makes me happy. Like I will like, I'm not, I'm not a Disney adult, adult, although I respect Disney adults, but like, I love going to Disney. I love, I'll always love Disneyland and Disney world. I'll always love like, you know, even like hanging out with my mom, I feel like is a huge, like inner child healing thing. Like when I sleep at my, like sometimes I'll go over and sleep at my mom's house. And I feel like that, like, I just feel like it heals a little part of you, you know, to like reconnect with your, your people who have known you your whole life. I shouldn't say reconnect because it's not like there was a disconnect, but you know, kind of deepen your connection with people who've known you your whole life. Uh, that feels really healing to me. Am I happier now after being divorced, even though things weren't bad? I'm really happy. I'm really happy with where I am. It's hard to like say happier or not happier. Um, it's just different. 
It's a different experience being married. It's a different experience being single. And, but where I am right now in life, I feel like, I feel really, really happy. I do. And, um, I just, I'm going to like, like literally keep this happiness in a chokehold because it's, it's been a really positive, um, time of life. Was it harder thinking about what others would think of your divorce or the actual feelings you felt during it? The feelings I felt during it were harder for sure. I'm not too worried about what people think or assume or wonder about with my divorce. Um, yeah, not worried about it. Have I been on any dates yet? Yeah. And I'm not even going to tell you guys anything else. <laughs> oh, that's the rudest thing I've ever said in my life. But um, yeah. Okay. Next one. Uh, who do you think the biggest Mormon mommy influencer is? And have you met them before? I mean, I, I would normally say Amber, like I am obsessed with Amber. I love her so much and I've met her and she was, I mean, she was on the podcast. Obviously you guys know she was an angel fairy godmother. I loved her so much. Um, but I mean, I think probably Rachel Parcell is kind of like the big, the big Mormon mommy blogger. And yeah, I haven't ever been on the Mormon mommy blogger train, but since Rachel got on TikTok, I am, you know, she's winning me over. She is winning me over. Uh, do you ever get weirded out by how nosy people are? I personally do. <laughs> I do, but not in the way that like it bugs me more in the way that I'm weirded out that my life is at a point where people care about the intimate details of my life. That what that's what weirds me out. I've never had anybody care like uh, I mean, any stranger care about like my life. And so that's what's weird. OK, next one. Do you have a daily practice for spirituality? I feel like I pray. I feel like I pray a lot. I think it was just something my whole life that really brought me a lot of comfort. I, I always prayed growing up. And I remember talking to my therapist about it and being like, I still do this, like almost in the exact same way, even though I don't participate in this religion anymore. Like I, um, I still, I still pray. And she was like, yeah, she's like, it's probably like, we kind of compared it to like Pavlov's dog. Like it kind of snaps me into like a meditative space or like a peaceful space. So I for sure still pray a lot. And like internally, sometimes I like do, I do the whole shebang, the folded arms, whole thing. Uh, but I really, I do, I do like that because it, it just makes me feel good. It's just always something that has made me feel good. A lot of, a lot of spirituality for me is like, is here, it's here in this, in this, like, you know, human experience. Like I feel really like peaceful and kind of spiritual when I'm with people that I love, when I am experiencing joy with people around me, like that is a very spiritual practice for me. Uh, and also when I am alone and like doing something that uh, takes care of me, like when I'm, I even feel that way when I like go on a walk or I go to Pilates or something like that feels like really appreciating myself, my human body, what it can do. That feels very spiritual to me. Uh, okay. Next. Do people recognize you or stop you in public often? I would, I would say I just, it's hard to gauge what, what often is for sure. Not every time I go out, definitely not every time I kind of have my hot spots. You bitches are always at target and you're always at Ulta and <laughs> you're always at Chick-fil-A. So usually when I'm at one of those three places, I will be stopped, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's, yeah, I don't even know how to answer that. If it's been a lot, I would say it's a, it's a good amount. It's a good amount. I would say like, I don't know, a couple times a week. I mean, yeah, a couple times a week. 
that feels that feels fair. Okay, next, do you ever get annoyed by any of your followers, like how they act when writing in or trying to impress you or come off as relatable to you? But sometimes I do read submissions and I I always just want to be like, girl, you can just be open with me. You can just be on. You can just tell me how it is. You can just I've said this before about like people who edit their swear words out. I always want to be like, you don't you don't have to worry. I'm not going to judge anything you say or anything or how you say it. Uh, but the other thing is that they are completely anonymous. I know you guys think I'm lying. I know you guys think that I secretly have your email somewhere on these, but they are completely anonymous. So, uh, yeah, sometimes I read things that I'm like, come on. Sometimes people sometimes I'm convinced that people are lying. And that's when I'm like, come on, don't don't lie. Don't lie to me. I can tell that you're lying. I've also had people like submit like Reddit stories before or like stories that I've yeah, that I've read on Reddit. And I'm like, wait, this is not your story. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, next one. Do I want, do, do you want to get married again someday? Or do you have a whatever happens, happens kind of feeling? I for sure am at a whatever happens, happens. I don't feel, I, I've said this a lot before that in my early twenties, I felt very, ru- not rushed, but I just, being married was so important to me. It was like the number one thing. I didn't know how I was going to go on if I never got married. Um, that's, that's, I don't feel like that's why I married Matt. I don't feel like I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get married right now. Like, and I just grabbed the person closest to me, but I just, I felt a lot of pressure to get married. I definitely don't feel that anymore. Definitely. Whatever happens, happens. I, I don't feel pro or anti don't feel pro or anti marriage. I feel like, uh, my life will play out in probably the best way. What was it like growing up with a famous dad? So my dad is, his name is Dale Murphy. I love when I say that because I always went over husbands when they, when I say that, uh, but his name is Dale Murphy. He was a professional baseball player. He played for the Atlanta Braves for a long time, like 25 years. Um, he retired, wait, 25 feels long, maybe 18 or 19. He retired the year I was born. I was born in Atlanta. All my siblings were born in Atlanta. And then we moved here to Utah and we moved around a little bit, but, uh, mostly been Utah. So he, yeah, he's definitely very well known. Uh, definitely, you know, a huge part of my life. And something that I am so proud of. I'm so proud uh, to be his daughter, to be my parents' daughter. I I feel very proud of it. Yeah, they're they're like you know, yeah. People, I mean, know who they are, and I hear all the time. You know, even like when I meet like girlfriends, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, my dad found your dad's like signed card in his in like the garage or whatever." And it's 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 really cool. But yeah, again, it's it was it's such a huge part of my life that you guys might even not know that much about but yeah i mean we you know we're we're in atlanta a lot my dad still does a lot of work like with the braves so that's a, that's a thing that we do um yeah it's always been a part of my life i mean if you think about like your dad's job you probably that's probably been a big part of your life you probably know his coworkers and his boss and business trips he took and cool things that happened because of his job you know and that's just it happens to be my dad's job. So that's just why it's a big part of my life. And I think that I speak for all of my siblings when I say that we're all very proud. Um, a lot of people grow up with athletes as parents, uh, and they do not have the experience that we have. My dad was a very, you know, present dad. He was never, you know, controversial. He was never, conceited. He was never any of those things. And it was really positive for all of us. So we all take a lot of pride in it. And I love when people bring it up. I love when people talk to me about my dad because I just, I am, I am so proud of it. I love, I love talking about him and people will always be like, but is he really that way in person? And I'm like, no, he's better. He's better than you think he is. He's cooler. He's more humble. Yeah. I just, I really, I really love and appreciate my dad. And my mom, the thing is with my mom is that she raised basically all of us 
on her own. I mean, my dad was playing professional baseball. He was gone for what? What is that? Nine months out of the year. Uh, and she had eight kids and she crushed it. Oh no. I started talking about my mom and now I'm going to cry. She crushed it. She my my dad will say the same thing that he couldn't have done what he did without my mom doing what she did. We've always said that like, she's, you know, she's the real, uh, the, what is that? The real MVP. Gosh, I couldn't remember what it was. Uh, she really just, um, it's something I, I love about my mom. My mom is the most tenacious person that I know. My mom is somebody who like, if confronted with something tough, uh, she like puts her head down and gets through it. Like she just, she doesn't hesitate. She doesn't run from anything. Like she just, she has, she has something hard come up and she's like, okay, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to get through this? What are we going to do? And boy, have I benefited from that. But she just, she's also, it's just such a cool quality. It's not something that I have. And, um, yeah, I just, I really just respect my parents and love them a lot. They've been so supportive, especially with the last, you know, couple of years of my life. My life has changed so much. Not one day, literally not one day were they not just like, how can we help? What do we, what do you need? What do you need today? What can we do for you? Like, it was just, it was right away. And, um, yeah, I just, man, really love them. Okay. This is a weird question to end on, but I'll just, I'll end it here. It just happens to be the last one that I wrote down. Somebody said, I'm still so curious about how much podcasters make. I know it's a huge range and I'm not asking how much you make, but can you give me a range for a podcast similar to yours? It might be a hard question. That's impossible to answer without giving away too many personal details. Also curious how much influencers make. I will. I don't know about influencers. I don't, I don't do like influencing. I don't do a lot of social media ads. I mean, every now and then I'll, I'll, um, I'll do one, but my, my main source of revenue is podcast ads. Here's a good, like kind of rule of thumb. And I've, I may have explained this before, like just kind of how podcasts make money and how, yeah, this is basically how it happens is that you have something called a CP. This is how I learned it. Anyway, you have something called a CPM, which is a cost per mil. It's not mil, million. It's not mil for million. It's like, it's French for a thousand. I don't know why they don't just say CPT, but cost per mil. So then you get, you have a rate, which is usually like 55 to 65. Well, I shouldn't even say that's kind of a small range. I would say between like 40 and a hundred dollars. Okay. Is your CPM. And then based on how many thousands of listens you get, that's how much you can charge for an ad. So like say your CPM is $50 and you're getting 2000 listens on each thing. You can charge a hundred dollars for an ad. That's, that's kind of how, how the pricing works for ads. Obviously I would, I would not ever tell you guys numbers of anything. It'd be very weird. And I'm pretty sure illegal, like uh, for mine, for my own thing. But a very rough estimate that I've been told is that somebody's reviews on Apple is usually about 10%. Usually about 10% of people will leave reviews. So do with that information what you will. Again, that is like a huge overview because the other thing is that CPMs could vary way more. Like, but that's, again, I couldn't even tell you how much like something similar costs to me, like a, like a podcast, my size. I don't even know because they could be charging way more or way less. Like it's so hard. And I feel like influencers are probably the same. They probably just ask, you know, an influencer and they, they go off of their prices and they don't. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's a very, very weird, um, industry because it varies so much, but because of that, I would obviously never disclose, you know, my, my numbers to you guys, but there's kind of an overview of how, of how podcast ad revenue works or like how much they might make. Also, I meant to say this at the beginning, gosh, 
that episode flew by. Whoa. Um, I, I didn't film this episode. My camera's broken and I'm stupid, so I don't know how to fix it. So I couldn't film this episode, but I'll film the other ones. <laughs> so if you're looking for it on YouTube, uh, that's why it's not there because I couldn't film it. All right. Oh my, that was a, that was a, uh, an emotional ride, but I, I made a goal to be more open with you guys, to be more vulnerable, to be more, um, yeah, gosh, I hate the word authentic, but it's always the word that comes to mind. Uh, that was my goal for this year. So I hope, you know, I hope to do it more. And there, here's kind of a little, a little insight into me. This episode is kind of a little insight into me. And yeah, I just, again, I, I want to say what I said at the beginning, which is all of us experience so many similar emotions. Like no matter what your job is, marital status, spirituality, we all experience, um, pain, happiness, all of that. So I think it's always useful to hear how other people get through pain and how other people, yeah, how other people cope with maybe similar situations, maybe situations that are not anything like yours. But the bottom line is that uh, I think you're doing a good job. I think that however people choose to uh, weather the storms of life (laughs) is impressive. So uh, I think that we could all deserve, we could all, uh, we all deserve to give ourselves a little more grace, getting through hard shit. So keep going. It's all okay. It's not going to last forever. And I'm here for you. And if I don't, if I read your DM and don't respond, please never take it personally. I love you. I love you guys. You guys are literally the reason I can do this. Like I technically work for you. You're technically my boss. I'm going to write an episode about my shitty bosses. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, I work for you. So there's, I don't, I'm not, I don't hate you. Please never stop DMing me. Never stop stopping me in public. Okay. I'm going to go cry probably. That was a, that felt like an emotional episode. But I'm going to go uh yeah, take a bath and cry. I love you guys so much. I'm so glad that you guys choose to listen to the podcast every week. It means seriously everything to me. Um can't believe we're here. Can't believe we're here. Two almost 3 years of this together and 1 million more to go. I'm going to even if I even if I die, I'm going to podcast from beyond the grave. I love you guys. I'll stop saying that now. Be safe, be kind, be hot. I love, I'm sorry, I said it again. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind the scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.